0: You are now tuned in to the Profit Link Up.
1: Welcome to the Profit Link Up, your community connection to small businesses in the Memphis area. I'm John and I'm your host today, and our guest today is Joe Patty from ICU Security. Welcome, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, well, so glad to have you. Well, tell me a little bit about ICU security. So ICU security is a uh, it's, it's,
0: it's owned by myself. I'm just a kind of one-man show, but I am a security consultant for individuals, uh, businesses, governments that are looking for an audio or visual solution uh, for security, whether it's access control or video surveillance. And so I... Uh, I travel to wherever it is they need to go and assess them, give them a site survey and let them know what I think is the best possible solution for them. And then turn that over to an integrator from there and let them pick their integrators and decide to you know install the equipment. But I give them the advice they need without the sales pitches. Uh, it's not a commission based thing, it's just a, a fee. So they come out, when I come out, it's just all about uh, what I think is the best fit for them.
1: Okay, so in layman's terms, you're doing security cameras, doing video, doing audio. What other sort of what other sort of uh, uh, security integrations are you doing? That's
0: pretty much what I stand. Uh, I work with is just video and access
1: controls. Okay, well,
0: fantastic. Well, uh, what led you to establish ICU? So my my um, I guess started in. When I worked for the Memphis Police Department, I came on in 1991. Oh, well, thank you for your service. Uh, thank you. I uh, spent 27 years with them. Retired in 2018. And then during my career, I, you know, spent many time, much time in patrol, uh, and spent a little time in courts, and then spent about three years in research development. Uh, that kind of put me into the uh, a, a different world where, uh, you know, I was tasked with things just uh, moving the department forward into whether it's policy or new programs, uh, things like you know if. Uh, would be beneficial if the aviation unit was, uh, you know, contracted out to private employees and pilots or was it beneficial for MPD to own it? Those would be the type of projects that I would work on and, you know, come to a conclusion and, and hand that off to the administration and let them make those decisions. Um, from there, I was I was moved over into I.T., and where as had you had any background in it, I did not, I had no background in it. Fascinating. Yes. Very fascinating. <laughs> and it was my, I thought that same thing. Uh, but uh, I had an niche for electronics. I always liked electronics. I always had a kind of an engineering mind. Um, okay. never had any engineering training, but you know, I was one of those guys that could take something apart and put it back together just by memory. So wow. it just kind of a natural fit. And you know, this was in, uh, the mid two thousands. So, uh, you know, security cameras were just coming about and there was a need to use them to more and augment police, you know, police, uh, services with technology. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they moved me over there and, and I took over the uh, camera program and the access control program. And, uh, we started doing technology as well, expanding the camera program, uh, you know, putting in access control through all city buildings, all police precincts. Um, The idea was that the the city of Memphis wanted everything to be have a conformity about it, so they didn't want the parks department doing one thing, the police department doing another thing, and you know, no, there's no conformity in any of it, so. The task was given to the police department. We want the police department to manage all of the security cameras and access control and there just be a a uniform conformity among everyone. So I was tasked with that job and that's, so I started building that Um, and when I took over we had 25 cameras and by the time I retired we had over 2000 cameras.
1: Wow. So what is, what sort of changes have you seen in the evolution of the industry lately? Oh, so the technology is just, you know, we saw the introduction
0: of uh, body cams. We saw the introduction of in-car videos. We saw the introduction of, uh, you know, GPS um, squad cars, you know, so the dispatch could know exactly where squad cars were. Uh, we saw all kind of technology that, that really augmented um, just outdated school uh, policies that the, every police department across the country was using. Um, it, 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 in a time when we were starting to see a decline in, you know, retention rates in the police department, there was a time that we needed to know, we needed to focus on augmenting that with, uh, technology, mm-hmm. uh, let's make the officer smarter. Let's was making equipped better. Uh, so they can job, do their job better because, you know, retention was being starting to be a problem. Sure. So, you know, body cams was one of those major things that changed technology and policing, um, in-car video changed policing and technology as well. And, you know, with the introduction of, uh, security cameras that could be placed out in neighborhoods and around businesses that, that too, uh, changed technology that, you know, you put in, when you put a, uh, security camera out in the neighborhood, and you put on a pole, and there's a flashing blue light. Uh, you know, that that's a full time officer sitting out there, always recording, always working, uh, you know, that you can't augment that with a, a uniform officer who may or may not come through there, you know, once or twice a week if he's not on a call. Hmm. Well,
1: what what uh, changes do you see on the horizon for the industry? Uh, more, more leaning to, leaning towards technology. Just more and more heavily
0: leaning on technology. We will police, and, police in general will continue to have um, issues hiring. Um, it's just a, it's just a trend right now, and uh, I think they'll, as we move forward, technology will help uh, augment a lot of that. Um, uh, you know, just being better ways of police. Without having the squad car show up every time, there's just better ways of adding technology. Um, the technology in the dispatch world and the GPS world can, you know, send it, send it. Instead of sending an officer to a call in Cordova, where that officer is now over off Mountain Rye, you know, technology can show the nearest squad car and send it over there. Hmm. So, working smarter and not harder okay. using technology is the, is a trend.
1: Are you working much with uh, drone technology?
0: When I when I was at MPD, I started their drone technology, and we, it was very infant st- uh, of the stages of it. But yes, absolutely, I think drones will will absolutely um, be a pivotal player moving forward in technology as far as police technology. Uh, we when I was there, we were just beginning to use them and test them in different categories. Um, you know, barricade situations. Uh, you know, any kind of uh, protest or. Um, any kind of just civil disturbance, it was, they were they were great to use as a kind of a high level situational awareness tool, so that you know we could see what was happening, basically, and make sure that you know the people that were that were involved in the protests were safe and that the people around them were safe. So you know, and so that that was that's the technology that was being used. You'll see it later on. I think as we evolve in technology, you'll see it as more on the patrol level. Okay, and you'll see it being used as. Uh, squad cars will have them I think built in and really? they'll, they'll be on the scene and they'll right. they'll be able to if uh, you know an example with that would be if a suspect took off running and, a, and you know from a u- uniform officer on the scene this drone would launch and tracking, So uh, we already see that when in other de- uh, departments across the country, when they do, uh, uh, you know, wanted party pickups, barricade situations or whatever, they launch the drones because they know people are probably going to run out the back doors and stuff like that. And they can they can track them with the drones. And, you know, we don't have to jump through garages and fences. And we just wait till they run out of steam and then go pick them up.
1: I've got to believe there's a number of statistics that are that are backing up uh, safety for the officers, safety for the public, uh, safety for uh, the the public both as uh, people who who could be perpetrators and but are innocent till proven guilty sort of thing, and and also those who are the victims. Uh, what what sort of statistics are are backing up the kind of technologies that you're that you're showing?
0: I wish I had those statistics for you, but it's this, that is absolutely true. Uh, everything that they're doing with technology helps not only protect the officer but the public as well uh like we said we're trying to make us we're trying to make a smarter and a smarter officer using technology mm-hmm. giving him the means that he needs to do his job well and to protect the citizens at the same time um that's where the technology is i wish i had hard stats for you but i think we already see it um, you know with body cams the introduction of body cams we saw a change in policing now everything could be Monday, you know Monday morning quarterback and looked at and see what was wrong they can be used as training tools um you know they can be used for a lot of things so that that was a pivotal time
1: well, I think that's overlooked too. I think people think about it as, as gotcha moments, one way or the other, rather than as teachable moments. To say, what could I have done better? I mean, how much uh, how much would the rest of us be better at our jobs uh, if somebody had video of what we were doing? It could could back up the tape and say, you know, when you approached it this way, you, this might have been a more effective approach for you.
0: Absolutely. Whether that training is you know in a in a yearly in-service training if the departments are required to have, or you're just an officer watching this video online going, you know, wow, I, I think I would have done that differently. Or, um, you know, I would approach that differently now that I see this, I, you know, that changes my mind, too. Yeah. So it's both indirect and direct.
1: Well, how does your experience as, a, as an MPD officer uh, affect you in, in running your business?
0: So I, I, I deal a lot with government agencies and police departments as well. So when I go in to talk to police departments about, you know, video technology, uh, these Many times these departments, they're, they're starting from the ground up. This is the first time they've even, you know, gone down the road to do cameras or any kind of access control. And so I, I have the knowledge of how to build that from the ground up and point them in the right direction. Because, you know, I understand that law enforcement is selling cameras to law enforcement. And what they need in form is completely different than selling them to, uh, you know, a business that just wants to have cameras out in front of their, their, their business. So I have that background that can help them navigate through all the questions there's so many um questions and things that they don't even know to ask
1: i mean sure. um- I was going to say, what are, what are the challenges in implementation that these the that, uh, the that uh, these various actors are facing that you and ICU can uniquely address? So one of the things is just the questions themselves. Uh, many departments don't even have
0: an IT department, really? uh, you know. So if smaller departments uh, yeah. don't always have anybody in IT, so if they do, it's it's usually a third party contractor or something like that. So you know you may or may not have any
1: law enforcement experience. Exactly,
0: exactly. So you have to have. Um, you know, when you're talking about video video surveillance and you're talking about license plate technology, uh, many of these departments don't even know they don't have a they don't have a policy. They don't even know how to write a policy for that. Uh, so I can go in there and kind of guide them through this process of, hey, this is what we need to do from the ground up. Um, let's start with this. You guys are going to have to have a policy. If we enact this equipment, you're going to have to have a policy that goes with this. And I can just I'm I'm just I can answer those questions that they might have. And I can also present those questions that they wouldn't even know to ask. So I think that's where my niche is when I help other departments is, um, you know, building our own here at NPD helps me build theirs wherever they are.
1: Gotcha. Well, uh, So what have been the big challenges in starting your own business? I mean, that's that's interesting to go from working in the public sector to being in private enterprise.
0: It is. And I have a little bit of background in private, you know, while I was MPD, I I owned a a landscaping business and an ice cream truck business. So uh, I had a little bit of experience in in, in being in the private sector. Uh Uh, But starting a consulting business was... uh, Uniquely different. It wasn't. I didn't have any employees. I didn't have any uh, overhead. I didn't have any product to sell. So, um, just getting it starting and getting your your name out there uh, that was the biggest issue. Uh, one of my biggest, well, one of my first biggest projects was um, a town in Nashville, um, Bellme, Tennessee. They contacted me. And they're, they're a little small town, um, 4,000 residents, but- uh, Nice neighborhood. Nice neighborhood, but uh, you know all the uh, Al Gores and uh, many sure. celebrities live there. So it's very small. It's only like four square miles. And uh, so, but they wanted to put the, uh, um, you know, SkyCops and license plate technology all around the city. <laughs> so 19 locations, um, and they did. We I consulted them on how to do that. And they installed them and and, you know, they, they solve most of Nashville's crime because there's not a lot of crime in Belmead anymore. Right. But they're in the middle of Nashville, so there are little pockets surrounded by them. So every major sure. third they're, friend, And they're
1: easy targets. Easy people, targets, yeah. People, it's, it's people a, it's a know where they are. It's, a, People like to drive past it just to see the celebrity homes yeah. and that sort of thing. There. And so they catch a lot of... Oh, uh, technology
0: using their technology, they catch a lot of nationals crime. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was my really first
1: uh, large scale consulting and deployment. Well, that's that's quite a compliment because a, a, a an area like that has uh, has resources and capability to choose just amongst about anybody that they like and to have them choose you says a lot about what they what they believe in your capabilities. I,
0: yes, and there was I it was just a luck of chance. They came to Memphis one time. Uh, one of their sergeants did came and toured the real time crime center. Mm-hmm. Was super impressed with what we were doing in Memphis and you know, thought maybe they could bring that back to their town. And so that's and that's how I started consulting. Well,
1: uh, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you uh, so that uh, if somebody uh, thought for their for their municipality or for their particular needs that they can they can find ICU and then get a hold of you and have you come do some uh, do some work for them and give them the best advice they can get.
0: Sure, absolutely. My website is ICU security consulting and my email is Joe Patty P-A-T-T-Y at ICU security consulting. Uh, don't call me because this is too many. <laughs> I better just have everything. I like to have everything in email so that I won't forget. So well, it's much easier,
1: too, when you're on the job and taking care yes. of a client to, uh, to be able to get to an email later than it is to uh, be interrupted in a phone call yes. middle, midstream. <laughs> well, um, how did the pandemic affect things uh, in, in your business? I mean, we saw people masking up. I mean, there's sort of uh, there's surely uh, uh, security issues with with that as you as it becomes harder to identify people. We certainly saw economic distress, which led to uh, and a little bit more time on people's hands as they couldn't go to work, led to greater crime. How did that affect your
0: business? So all of those are excellent points. Uh, pandemic led in, led to a different type of crime. There was a spike in crime because. You know, officers were following protocols across the country, and, you know, if, if uh, their partner, you know, tested positive, then they were off for 10 days or t- two weeks, whatever it was. And so um, police departments were actually seeing extreme shortages. Uh, technology was being pushed then more than ever. More cameras. Let's put out as many cameras. We need to have eyes on the situation that we, because we don't have enough patrol cars to, to run the patrols. They're just running from call to call. So um, during the pandemic, uh, our business actually picked up. Uh, there was a spike in, in, in crime. Obviously, it continues to spike um, and technology is being used, is wherever the department can afford it and, and they're finding the money to do it now whether it's internally or federal grants there's just been an uptick ever since the pandemic uh, sure. in technology and in the crime
1: and of course and it coincided too with a, a national awareness of uh of uh, of policing and a, and, a, and a reevaluation of how uh, policing is being done uh for for a variety of reasons in there but it made it all the more important on on both sides of the equation uh for those for those off for their protection, for their training, for uh, for the public, that we can have, uh, we can have the greatest uh, interactions between officers and 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 the public as possible. But I, w- I would think that that should have probably shot some of your business to the roof as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. It still continues to.
0: Um, it, it, you know, it's not, it's never a good thing to have crime, but it's good when you're in the security business. Right. So you know, if, it was just phase. If I didn't have any crime, I wouldn't have any job so it's just a a devil's advocate but ever since the pandemic you know we've all we've all seen the
1: news that the crime is just up uh, everywhere so, um, sure, and I would anticipate it's going to rise as as, as inflation goes up and people are feeling the pinch uh, and that sort of thing. It's it's going to make those who who uh, uh, who who have an inclination that way to be emboldened and, and to have an excuse to do it, and those who are uh, who uh, might not have otherwise be uh, uh, be unfortunately lured into uh, into some of those activities themselves.
0: I agree. I, I don't really see uh, any change coming anytime soon. I don't. I don't even know what that. Cat catalyst would be that would bring about that change Um, we will continue to see spikes in crime we will continue to see the crime rise until you know there's just there's issues in the justice system there's just issues everywhere it's not you can't just put a finger on one thing that will solve this Right. it's a it's a it's just a hodgepodge of many issues, and we just start, we just need to start to addressing them because it's, it's going to take a while. Even if we had the solution today sitting at a table with you and I, it would take a while for it to take effect.
1: Yep. Well, uh, tell me what you've learned, uh, the, the biggest lessons you've learned in being a business owner. Uh, taxes and everything. You pay taxes <laughs> on everything. You you have seen it both sides the uh, the public and the uh, private side and that the uh, the private side is definitely uh, 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 having to foot the bill for the uh, for the public for all these great services we need and want but uh, they're not free.
0: Yes. Uh, So uh, in in the civil in in, you know in the. Government world things just operate different, uh, especially in law enforcement. Um, you know, you have a, you, you report to your your supervisors and it goes up the chain. Uh, it's it's many times it's very just um, straight out. The answers are yes or no. Um, a lot of times there's no discussion about it. Uh, in the private sector, it's it gets more convoluted. It's it's you know we're not really sure we should do this. Is it in our best interest? How will this look? Uh, you know, is this this You know, does it look well when we do this way and stuff? So it's there's other decisions that are made in the private sector that are not factors in the government sector when you're dealing with, you know, government, Uh, and also the fact that sometimes private sector is, strangely enough, more efficient. Uh, Government can be very um, non-efficient. It can be its own worst enemy. Uh, You know, sometimes things just get bogged down into what we like to call government red tape and get buried forever.
1: But I think it happens to sometimes with the size of the organization, too, that uh, I think any organization, private or public, uh, the, the more it grows, the more it builds self-serving uh, rules and often necessary because they, they generally don't make the rules just to make up rules. It was usually because they experienced something somewhere along the way. Yes. But pretty soon it's bloated and it becomes a lot less agile, uh, which I would think would be as a, as a one person business would be one of the great advantages you've got is that you can be agile.
0: Yeah. If I can't get along with my own employees. Okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> I am on employee, yeah. I'll give you an example of government red tape and how sometimes it works. Uh, when when the Green Line went in, uh, we we were starting to put cameras in the, the original five miles of the Green Line, and there was a uh, we wanted to put a camera underneath the Perkins Overpass, um, so we could see the Green Line during there. And the railroad still owns the property; it's just leased it to the city for the Green Line. Okay. And they would not let us put a camera there because it said it would not meet the minimum clearance if a train were to come through there. <laughs> Now we've already removed the tracks and <laughs> right. paved the road. The green lines in place. But you never but know there was a policy. And no one could change it.
1: How long did it take to get through that? Never
0: did. Really? Never did. Never did put that camera there. Wow. So that's a guess. that's a great idea of government bureaucracy.
1: <laughs> that's funny <laughs> well how do you uh how do you find clients
0: i my clients used to come to me so it's kind of like a you know a word of mouth uh i like to refer to it as a hub and spoke where you know if i go to a city and i consult and then we they end up um moving forward and installing the equipment it's usually the city beside them and like you know hey well, we saw what you did over there how and then they just give them they give them my number right. and, and it goes like that so that that that's how I kind of branch out. I'll, I'll, I'll do a job in an area and then I'll just get referrals from that area all around that area.
1: Okay. Well, how do you, what do you do to make sure you retain those clients? Then?
0: Oh, it's, it's a, in my line of work, uh, it's basically a, it's a, you know, cradle to grave, um, it, the inception of it, um, the advising of it, the planning, the, you know, the installing and then the maintaining of it. I just, I'm just their guy from, 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 from the beginning to the end of it.
1: Okay. Well, where do you see the company uh, in 10 years? I'm still doing the same thing. I hope I'm still doing the same thing. I really enjoy this work.
0: It's uh, It comes natural to me, uh, you know, going out and assessing an area and seeing what they need done and how they need done. Um, it's just very natural to me. You know, you need a camera here. You need a camera um there. If you're going to do, you know, license plate technology, let's start out with your major choke points and your traffic choke points in your city. Let's, let's cover those. Yeah. And then we can learn, uh, then we can, you know, expand over time in secondary traffic areas. Um, all that just comes naturally me because I did it for so long, you know, in the police department. So I, I enjoy the work. I hope 10 years from now, I'm still doing what I'm doing. And, um, you know, it, I feel like I'm still contributing to law enforcement. I did that for so many years and now absolutely. I'm helping other departments, you know, build what they have based on the, just the knowledge that I have. You still want to be a solopreneur? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I like, I like my hours. I, I, I ask myself to take off a lot. Yeah. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> as you said before, the best and the worst of bosses all in one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, what makes you and I C U uniquely Memphis? Oh, just the background of, you know, I've lived
0: here since nine, 19- 1990, um, joined the MPD in 91. So I've just lived here all my life. Um, just always had a passion for Memphis. I've always believed in this town. Um, you know, we, we obviously have some bad rafts. We have some issues that were going on here. Uh, we're not a whole lot different. I travel a lot. We're not a whole lot different from a lot of the major cities. So, um, but we have a unique history here. Uh, and, in Memphis uh, is a still a great town. It's still great people, uh, there's still great people here that do great things for this town and if those people weren't here then this this town would be in a lot of trouble sure. but we have really good people that uh, want to make a difference that don't want to give up on the city um i'm one of those people you know I, I i spent during my time at mpd we actually started the donation program where a neighborhood could raise money um and they could buy a SkyCop camera and they would donate that to the city of Memphis and we would put it in their neighborhood. So it was a win-win for everyone. The neighborhood's got um, protection that they wanted um, through a camera that could not have been purchased through regular city funds because just didn't simply have that kind of a budget. Right. Um, so they get the camera in their neighborhood, the city gets an asset given to them and it becomes a property of the, you know, MPD and the MPD would monitor it when needed. So that was a real um, a real good program for everyone to win-win, and over that time, you know, we took in uh, just over a thousand cameras and almost as upwards of three million dollars in donations in a, a four-year period. That's amazing. So yeah, I mean, we we blanketed the city with with cameras that pop, you know, would never have been able to afford to put out, but we did that through the donation program, and so that was a program that we were real proud of, and, and it gave back, and people were able to. Contribute and and they got something for it, you know. So it was a it was a win win for everyone, and we're real proud of that. Um, everyone that worked on that project, we were real proud of that.
1: Well, thanks. I, I appreciate your service and that you're you're still working to make the uh, city of Memphis a, sa- a safer place to be and a, a better place to be for all of us. There's so much, there are so many amazing things about this city, and uh, again, we sometimes get a bad rap for uh, for uh, some of the criminal elements, but I I love knowing that there are great people in there committed to uh, to controlling that and making sure that that Memphis highlights the things that we can do like no other city in in America. Absolutely, and people still you know people who are not familiar with our crime
0: come to this town and they just they're just you know they're just they just love this town there's so much culture so much to do here uh you know so many things that like, you just can't get a lot of places and like you said it's just those people that uh and it's just it's just individuals doing what they can do you know if it's if it's all they can do is go down and and serve uh, donate some time to a charity or a mentor uh someone you know in the mentor program then that's it and then there's those people that have you know big big check books can write and, and th- those people help as well, but it's, you don't have to be rich to know in order to help. And, uh, And that's what this city's full of.
1: You know, we're not the richest city in America, but actually we're among the uh, top two in the country for for most charitable uh, per capita. Exactly. I've always been extremely proud of that. Yeah, I've always been a true believer. Change comes through one person at a time. Um,
0: You cannot go out and just decide you're going to mentor an entire community or you're going to, if you're super rich and just pay for college for a whole subdivision or a whole neighborhood. It starts with the one person and you, you sponsor that person and then that person gets sponsored to make someone else and that person makes a difference. It just starts as a, as a one person individual and
1: moves forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell us, uh, tell everybody again how uh, how they can get a hold of ICU security. So once again, ICU, letter I, letter C, letter U, like ICU,
0: securityconsulting.com and then uh, joe.patty at ICU security consulting.
1: Well, thanks so much for coming in. We want to thank our guest, Joe Patty of ICU security. Give Joe a call today or actually email him uh, for your security needs. Thanks for listening to the Profit Link Up. Tune in for more local business spotlights and stories of businesses that are uniquely Memphis like ICU.